Get ready for conflicts where movie reviews collide. Everybody and welcome to another episode of Conflicts, the podcast. This is a very special episode for the three of us because today we will be covering Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. Who's excited? Who's excited? Woo-hoo. Who's excited? Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't figured it out, all three of us are very large Star Wars fans, and beyond Star Wars fans, we're Star Wars nerds who can dive deep. So prepare yourselves. Uh, this movie was released. Upon recording this just a couple of days ago, December 1929 was about to be what I was about to say. Nice. It's been around a while. Wow. I speak for a living. In the year of our Lord. (laughs) (laughs) That's 2019. If you're paying attention, stars Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, etc. Directed by J.J. Abrams. Thank you, God, Ryan Johnson's not here, but that's another story for another day. (laughs) All right. Uh, normally, there would be a brief synopsis here, but this is the final film of the nine movie Skywalker saga, and I will not disrespect that by trying to condense it into a sentence or two. If you don't know what it's about, well, figure it out. And this is your obligatory spoiler warning if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, I did want to throw in a couple fun facts because I love looking those up. Uh, the new droid Dio is voiced by J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John Williams has a cameo as bartender Oma Tress on Kijimi, and Oma Tress is an anagram for maestro. Oh, I did not catch that. Yeah, I didn't catch it either. Somebody else did. Thank you. I think new rock stars on YouTube. Wedge Antilles is back for the final battle. We, we did get a Wedge cameo. Red 2, Rogue 3. All right. Uh, voice cameos galore. Oh, gosh. Hayden Christensen, Samuel L. Jackson, Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Alec Guinness, Freddie Prince Jr., and Ashley... Eckstein, Eckstein from uh, Rebels and Legends, James Earl Jones, and more, and more, and more voice cameos out the wazoo, and I loved it. Yeah, they definitely hit all of the people. Yeah, who... they and I love that they engineered an Alec Guinness saying Ray. I thought that was genius. It, 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 you know, those things I were, were wonderful. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's dive in. Rich has requested to go first, and I'm going to honor that request. Rich, grade this movie. All right, buckle up, bitches. We're going for a ride. Oh, Lord. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready, Nick. I'm going to start out, and I'm going to say that I give this movie, wait for it, a D plus. Dear God. All right. Hold on. What the fuck? This movie would have gotten an F had it not been for the last movie, which showed me what an F looked like. So this movie was way better than that. So I'm going to bump it all the way up to a, a D plus. But that's as far as I'm going. Now. The basic and biggest problem with this movie is that of problem solving. It felt like the script the entire time was written in reverse and every problem was solved by adding a scene that only exists to fix the problem they created in the first place. For example, Ray seemed like she was channeling her inner Dory the entire time with some sort of force-induced ADHD. Ray can easily levitate herself while spinning dozens of rocks with the force. Cool, right? Quicksand? Nah, she's got nothing for that. She can force hold a fucking spaceship and reduce it to ash with her force lightning. Flying stormtroopers? She's got nothing for that. Nope, we're screwed. Nothing you can do. She can deflect blaster bolts while blindfolded on a tightrope. Easily. 
Hmm, hit anything with a blaster? Nope, she can't do that either. Nope, that's fine. So here's an idea. Use the fucking force, Ray. Quit writing scenes that should have been too trivial to mention unless Ray just forgets that she can do shit. They're all staring at me. This is this is awkward. I'm attempting to hold in the this, anger. This is awkward, but I'm gonna keep going. Okay, and why in the hell do you make a knife that is a map to a thing that you know where it is? Why did he make a knife? He knew where it was, he didn't need a map. Why leave the thing at all? We know the dude was going back and forth between that planet. Apparently, he didn't even need the thing to get there because he didn't have it with him. So it made no sense that there was a MacGuffin. Oh, wait a minute. It gets worse. Why was there a MacGuffin? Let's just talk about Exegol for a second, the planet that you needed the MacGuffin to get to. Did you know that an Imperial-class Star Destroyer requires approximately 40,000 people to crew? If there were only 100 ships there, which I think there were probably more, that means four fucking million people found their way to the planet without the goddamn MacGuffin. And that's if the people that were crewing the ships weren't, were, were the same people that actually made the ships, let alone the fact, how were you getting enough food there to feed these 4 million people? How did you get the, the, all the shit you needed to build these ships there? You did all of that without the MacGuffin, but these two real powerful force people needed the MacGuffin to get there. Bullshit. Now, let's say we're going to hand wave all of that away. All of this shit ton of people and supplies that got there somehow in secret, we're just going to hand wave all of that away. Because, you know, apparently they only had enough shit left over to build one fucking communication tower out of all that. We can build hundreds of Star Destroyers, but one fucking tower? That's all we got. Apparently that's so rare. Oh, Jesus fucking... (laughs) Just breathe, just breathe, just breathe. Okay, now... Oh, oh, he's still going. No, he's no, still going. there's more. So there's you have more. The, you, you, you somehow you have this armada. Let's just let him have that. I'm going to let him have this whole armada. You've got it. Fine. Okay, cool. So you reveal yourself to the world with your, your big mighty armada. And what do you do? You go ahead and leave them in a vulnerable position. Let's just leave them here. Why? There's no reason to there. Send those fuckers out and start taking territory. They sent one out to make a point. Send a bunch of them. Leave you a few if you need to. Start taking territory. You know what? Take those hundred ships. Show up on Coruscant and say... Hey, Bubby, I'm back. It's me, the Emperor. I'm the Emperor anymore. And they say, you know what? We really don't want you to be the Emperor. And he's like, oh, I got 100 chips. Yeah, you know, screw you. I'm going to take whatever I want. Oh, but wait a minute. There's more. Because he didn't even need the ships. You know why? Because the Emperor has grown, grown so powerful that he can force lightning entire ships. Entire fleets. The whole rebel fleet. He just for, force lightning them all at once and completely rendered them like absolutely incapable of doing anything and they almost died had somebody not interrupted him. If he is that powerful, he doesn't need an armada. You know what you do? You show up with one ship on Coruscant and you say, I'm the emperor, I'm back. And they say, you know what? No, we don't like that. We're going to bring our fleet in. And he says, yeah, I got something for that. You don't have a fleet anymore. And they say, you know what? We like you, Emperor. We liked you all along because you are so powerful. And you know, so none of that was even necessary at all. Whew. Okay. Oh, no, wait, there's more. Oh, dear God, there's more. Mm-hmm. That's an example of how everybody in this movie lacks basic problem-solving skills. And they need to quit escalating the power scale just to, you know, so you have to try to ignore this weak fucking plot. But that's exactly what they were doing. The plot was weak, so they said, you know what, we need to create new and cool powers, and you know what, whatever. That's just lame. After a while, you're just making problems so you can try to solve them in some other way. But no, instead what we get is some shoehorned Leia has a lightsaber scene, just so we can backsplain that she has, why Rey needs to take two fucking lightsabers into Exegol. Gee, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen. Uh, oh, you know what, why don't you also just take your Force Ghost army, because apparently Force Ghosts can now uh, interact with the physical world. They can lift ships, they can wield lightsabers. Well, just invite those fuckers back to take care of this problem for you. Uh, why wouldn't you do that? Oh, well, no way. Well, we couldn't actually do that. 
that, that would solve the problem and we need to solve it in another way. So whatever. Oh, that's, that's right. They have the force teleportation thing. That's neat. No, it's bullshit. So if, why do you need to force fax a lightsaber? Hey, uh, Ray, this has been, do you copy? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I just remembered I have a Star Destroyer. Are you with the Emperor now? Uh, yeah, I am. Okay, cool. So I have this warhead here. Um, can you fix, keep the fax line open for a moment? Why the fuck don't you do that? Why just a lightsaber? You have all these options available to you. No, and it's obviously just because the weak-ass plot required it. And for fuck's sakes, why is Ray not the Dark Empress? She killed him. Just like he said he would when she got there, which they set up this whole plot point where she couldn't kill him. So you think, oh, maybe Ben's going to come in and kill him. But she ends up killing him. So why isn't she the Empress? They never explain it. They just wave that away and disregard it. Like, well, no, 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 we didn't mention that didn't happen. No, 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 no. Let's roll back the tape. No, I don't remember that being in there. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. And you know why they do it? I'll tell you why they do it. Because it's fucking Star Wars, and they already took my money, and they know I'm going to give it to them. So, <sighs> D plus, I need a drink. I have never before heard anyone be so wrong for so long. I doubt that. <laughs> so wrong. Real quick, I have a question. Rich, how old were you when the first one came out? I, was, I did not see the first one in the theater. I've seen all but A New Hope in the theater. I was really young okay. when that came out. Laura, you go. <laughs> <laughs> this movie she wants to you can see it on her face i'm just trying to control my anger <laughs> let it flow let the hate flow i, I want you. you to go okay. because i first of all first of all before i even read what i have written here which for the love of god is about an eighth as long as you rambled okay <laughs> First of all, story point, if you were paying attention instead of being on your soapbox and saying, oh, they don't know what they're doing with the storytelling, blah, blah, blah. Ray did not become the empress because he already had his power back. He couldn't take the power back. If she killed him, she took the power of all of the Sith. He took their life forces. He restored himself. He took the power of all of the Sith. That's when he was able to finally destroy all of the ships with his uber force lightning. It was already in him. That's why she could kill him because the power already had a place to go. And it didn't go to her. It was obvious if you were paying attention. They never no, 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 no. Your that. moment is done. They Your moment is done. That. Your moment is done. You are making that part up. They never established it. They didn't have to. It was obvious. It wasn't obvious. If it was obvious, then he wouldn't have to explain it to begin with. He explained one specific thing. That thing happened. It didn't work that way. And they didn't give a reason why it didn't work that way. Because they didn't need to give a reason. Because if you were paying attention, it made perfect sense. I have zero confusion about that scene. Because I absolutely understood everything because that was happening. Because you're adding it in, in your brain, and they didn't actually portray that on screen. Nick? <laughs> well, She's considering that she was the daughter of, granddaughter. granddaughter of Emperor Palpatine, she did have the power of the Sith deep in her. I agree with Lara because he took that part and she meditated to get the help from the Force, from the Ghost Jedi, as you call them, because they were all with her when she destroyed him. Yes, she did kill him, but she also destroyed everything like that went with it him and his throne so she denounced the throne it's sort of like a game of thrones thing see other people see it saw it differently now that being said on to what i have here i gave this movie an a minus i am absolutely in agreement with you that after the last one anything was going to be an upswing did not enjoy the last one i think i enjoyed it a little more than you did 
didn't enjoy it, didn't appreciate what Ryan Johnson did there. However, this one, and I do have to admit that I've only seen it once so far, and my opinion might change after a rewatch, because, you know, that's how it goes. I'll give you that. I do need a rewatch of this right. movie at some point. First impressions are also often wrong. But this movie, especially after the last Star Wars movie, was almost exactly what I was hoping for. It echoes the original trilogy respectfully without being a copycat. It offers fan service without being overt, ridiculous, and pandering. And it takes the responsibility of the expectations upon its shoulders seriously and delivers a good film, not just a good Star Wars movie. And the way the character storylines were wrapped up is so well done, especially with regards to Carrie Fisher. They did Carrie and Leia proud. Also, with regards to Kylo Ren Ben Solo's story arc, it mirrors Darth Vader Anakin Skywalker without parroting it. We want Kylo to become Ben again, but with all the bad things he's done, we know he can't get a happily ever after. It's like I've said a million times before on this podcast, there are rules to storytelling and prices must be paid. And this is the perfect example of that. Ben paid the price for everything he'd done heroically in the moment he decided to save Rey and rejoin his family. The way he and Leia became one with the Force together was beautiful. And just another example of how well thought out this movie is, like the subtle theme that runs throughout the whole thing, that the past doesn't define the present and the way that is represented for each character differently. We have a former drug dealer, a former brainwashed soldier, a former desert nobody, even the thematic elements of yellow to red to blue that mimic the color schemes of The Force Awakens to The Last Jedi to here. I could go on and on, and I'm not saying this movie is perfect, but it was pretty damn good. <laughs> Rich is just looking at me like, no. <laughs> no, you know, I'm actually not going to disagree with everything you said. I, I do like how they dealt with Carrie Fisher. I was a little upset that they went and threw her in because they said they weren't going to. Uh, the family requested they didn't want any digital uh, Leia, and they said, cool, we're not going to do that. And then they kind of turned around and did it anyway. They were digital stills. There was no digital performance. Yeah, that's kind of like, well, technically, well, yeah, the family requested and they agreed. I, I thought it was a little bit of a dick move to turn around and go back. But at the same time, what they did on screen, I don't have a problem with. I, I, I agree with you. I thought they were very respectful to Carrie Fisher uh, and her legacy and very respectful to the character of Leia. And, and once again, in that legacy. So I, I definitely don't disagree with, with those parts. Uh, they were kind of in a difficult situation because unfortunately, Carrie Fisher did pass. So how do you wrap up the storyline? And the, it was more awkward because they killed off all of the characters that where the actors were still alive. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that that's what do you do? There? And that's, I don't disagree. There had to be a certain amount of backtracking for storytelling with this because they admitted that they planned on taking it a different direction and that Leia was going to be a much more integral part mm -hmm. in this last one. And then yeah. she passes away. And there's only so much that you can do. And there are parts of the story that I don't love because I feel like they were having to undo what Ryan Johnson did last absolutely. time. Absolutely. You know, Ryan Johnson screwed the pooch on the last movie. And this one, they had to spend some time undoing that. Yeah. It couldn't be helped. Like everything that he did with Ray, you know, oh, you're nobody from nowhere. They, you know, they have to spend time undoing this and establishing like, hey, you done fucked up and we got to fix it before we can tell this story. The I, best thing that they could have done was have J.J. Abrams do all three. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with you on that. Well, before you and I continue, let's hear from Nick and yeah, then we'll yeah, just we have a round ahead, table. Nick. Tell us, I'm Nick. not on a soapbox like <laughs> you two because honestly, 
I knew Rich was going to give this a shitty uh, Just a little insider information real quick here, dear listener. Uh, the whole reason this podcast exists is because of their differing opinions on the last two Star Wars movies and their detailed and in-depth discussions that they would have about how wrong <laughs> each other were about their opinions. So that's a little backstory. Please continue, Nick. And well, I'm not, I don't think mine's going to be as detailed because honestly, Laura, you hit every point. That's two against one. Nick's on my team. I give it an A minus also. Because when you said A minus, I was like, that's exactly what I gave it. Quality over quantity. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> and that's why I asked if you watched the original in theaters and you were like, no, I was too young, but you were alive. Rich, you're part of a different generation. You're like, are you a boomer? No, no I am not. not. You are like... The baby boomers of Star Wars trilogy, yeah. though. Like, I know you're okay, not a I baby boomer, yeah, yeah. but like the people who are around for the originals absolutely trash talk these new ones. Now, whenever I came into the game for Star Wars, all three of the originals were out. Like, right. I've seen the original originals, like the theatrical cut and VHS And release. those re-releases, and yeah. And then I saw in the 90s... The Hasbro toys where they're all bulky, look like they were drinking their whey protein. and <laughs> They were drinking their blue milk. Technically, that was like my Star Wars. Like, because they re-released them into theaters. Like, what was it, 95 or something like that? Taco Bell had this whole thing. I think thing. it was 99. Mm-hmm. And... Well, no, that was the prequels. That was the prequels. They re-released them again in the ni- in ninety. Yeah, after because, George Lucas fucked with them. Because yeah. uh, episode one released right around the same time as the original Matrix. They released... Yeah, it was 99. It was either... Yeah. The, like, But it was like within a week or two of each other. Because uh, I was very excited for both. And I had to decide what I was going to go see in what order. Because at the time, I was, I was real broke. And <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But in 1995 or 96, they released the original trilogy again in theaters. Mm-hmm. But it had the alteration. No, I didn't Lucas live here, did. so... He's altered it more than once, but that was the first right, time. Right, that he... was the first time. Mm-hmm. So that did even as a kid, that didn't bother me as much because I was like, eh, whatever. But I probably guess that you hated it. No, um, you... you know I, that's right. I, I think you're being a little unfair to me. And here, let me explain. I'm me, just asking, but let me explain because we've never had this discussion. Yeah, I don't actually crap on the prequels like a lot of people do. I, you know, I, were there? Some... No, I'm not talking prequels. I'm talking the originals that have the new alterations in them. Uh, you know, I I don't think that they needed fucked with. Uh, I also don't don't agree with those. I think that they should have been left as they were. Uh, yeah, I think George should have just kind of left them alone. But at the same time, I'm seriously meh. It was more of the I don't get the need uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to, uh, you know, I'm definitely not on the you ruined Star Wars train. No, it's nothing like that. Right. Um, you know, I, granted, I do where I do own a Han shot first shirt. Because um, <laughs> right. we all know it's the truth. But at the same time, I don't, I don't shit on them. Like I said, I, I don't shit on the prequels. Uh, I, I admit I don't. They don't. None of the prequels rank in my top. I, I don't crap on them. Honestly, I don't think they were as bad as a lot of people like to make them out to be. I, 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 I always said from the beginning, the problem with the prequels is that the Jedi, when they were in order, are kind of boring. Right. You know, they, they, they're, they're monks. Right. And you have to kind of work around that. And, you know, Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, they did their best. And honestly, they did some amazing work. They did. Hayden Christensen, lousy actor in those movies. Mm-hmm. I blame um, the directing and the writing. He's actually a really talented actor. That's just not his best well, work. I, I, pref- I, you know, I, I yeah. did caveat those in those movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to say exactly how it got there, but it definitely got there. So I don't dump on the prequels all that much. Though. I, I think there was a lot of good stuff there, though. There was a little bit of bad. I really went into this trilogy with a lot of, uh, I guess, reckless optimism. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really wasn't until the second movie, the you know, episode seven, I was a little 
skeptical of. You and I spoke about that. You said that it was a remake of A New Hope. I, it was a little bit too much of a remake of A New Hope. But I was at the same time. I'm like, okay, but maybe they're setting stuff up. Maybe they're going to go for this history repeats itself kind of kind of theme. So I was still hopeful, but they, I didn't. I'm like, they're knocking out of the park. But maybe they're setting up a lot of stuff. Um, because they knew they were making a trilogy. You know, when New Hope came out, they didn't know they were making a trilogy, so they had to wrap it up. Right. This was a little different, and they knew that they were, so maybe they had a theme. So I was really hopeful, and then episode eight came out, and I'm like, you know what? You hurt me. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I need a safe spot right now because you hurt me. And you're not going to hurt me again. Uh, So, you know, I really... see, that's what I'm saying, though. I think you are still scarred from the last one. And you and I just spoke about this outside. All three of us did. You read the books, though, because from uh, Zahn. Oh, absolutely. So Meta- please people, explain those to people who don't uh, understand. That's book canon. Uh, like, th- so it was like a trilogy made. So they make a they... novelization of no, Star no, no, Wars no. movies. Well, they they do that. That is they true. They didn't but ever think that they were going to get any more. So back the original idea was George Lucas said, because uh, people wanted to do more with it, uh, you know, more with the IP. Right, right. And he said, like, okay, the, the movies are mine. And everything that happens before is mine, but everything that happens after you guys can play with. So everything after episodes four, five, and six, he let the writers play with. And one of the first really big examples that came out was what was called the Thrawn trilogy written by Mm -hmm. Timothy Zahn, who is an amazing author. And as big as the expanded universe, which is what they used to call it, became, which we're talking hundreds of novels, the Thrawn trilogy, which was one of the first, was still held up as probably the best. And honestly, I agree with that assessment. And I'll, it was, correct me if I'm wrong, it was considered to be canon until these movies came out. Yes. So the expanded universe was considered uh, canon, although there is a fair amount of retconning and, you know, doing... Well, over- and there's still a lot of uh, debate as to whether Legends and Rebels count as canon because mm-hmm. they've brought in some elements from those to the right. new films, but then Wedge dies in Rebels. Mm-hmm. He does. And he well, was there on screen. Or yeah. maybe he does in Legends. I don't well, remember. and like, you know, Chewbacca dies in mm-hmm. the, the books. Uh, the, the solo, you know, there's Jason and Janna solo. They have twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Han and Leia did instead mm-hmm. of just the one. Uh, you know, but they, so they drew elements. But when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they basically said, yeah, that deal that George had kind of had there, we're not beholden to that. So we can do whatever we want. And they picked and choose what they wanted to take. Which, you know, I'm not, I wasn't, ne- I was a little disappointed by it, but I, I wasn't immediately out at that point. I'm like, well, let's see what they do with it. I understand why they're kind of like, we need that playground if we're going to continue on with this. So I wasn't immediately out. And I'm not even saying that they should have done the Thrawn trilogy. I know a lot of people are like, that's what they should have done for movies. And honestly, I, I don't know if that would have been the right answer either. Now, I do think they could have just called up Timothy Zahn and say, hey, we need another story. What you got? But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really not that. Because, you know, the newer movies, I love Rogue One. It may rank number two for me in Star Wars movies. I love Rogue One. That, that, okay. that, that's a tough one to, to, to codify. I actually thought Solo was pretty good. I, I also thought liked I liked Solo. Solo. I, I, I don't like the uh, how much of crap it's getting. I, th- I thought it was I think it's because people were looking at it as a Star Wars movie, and it's not a Star Wars movie. It's a space action movie, <clears throat> that, and it's a good space action movie. That brings me back to uh, this original trilogy, though. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people... Saw what? Which came out first? Was it Episode Eight or was it Solo that came out first? Uh, it went Eight, Solo Nine. Okay, so again, I think a lot of people were hurt from Eight, so Solo kind of bombed. And I think it wasn't what people were expecting. And it was, yeah. But I still thought it was a great story, uh-huh. fun movie. It held my attention, and it paid perfect tribute to a Star Wars like, right. franchise. To no, me. I, th- I mean, I could, I could critique solo a little bit and there's a few things I didn't like, but for the most part, I thought it was pretty solid and I was happy with it. Right. I, I really was. Yeah. Uh, but I knew you got hurt hard on eight 
because you and I have had, when we worked together, had this discussion mm-hmm. about eight. A lot of your critiques I didn't agree with because you're, you know, is actual like physics in space. But I was like, you know, it's a movie and it's Star Suspension Wars. Suspension of disbelief. I, I am not going to get in an argument over science with you because it's a movie, which I get. At the same time, like this ninth film where Disney messed up was not letting J.J. Abrams write and direct all three. Yeah. But this final movie, I give it an A minus because it had the perfect amount of a roller coaster of what Star Wars. It made me feel like I was watching the original Star Wars again as a kid. Like it gave me the warm and fuzzies. It made me laugh. It made me cry. And when I saw Carrie Fisher, like oh, I bawled like a little baby. I cried because it's like, holy crap, this bawled. is the last time I'm going to see her. And it technically wasn't even her <laughs> in this role. Like, I, I hate what the universe did in that year to right. take her away from us. Carrie Fisher, very sad. Loved her to death. I and just, just had a... Oh, go ahead, Richard. I was going to say, not just for Star Wars, too. She was an amazing She person. was. A great writer. Ways. Great. Yes. She was. I mean, the burbs. Come on. Mm-hmm. like the, the, Her struggles in life, yeah. I think, uh, you know, it was amazing that what she was able to do. It, it, it really was. She was a cool person, and I'm sad she's gone. Yeah. I think we all are. Real quick, want to throw in, I just had a thought while you were talking, Nick, mm-hmm. and I, I wonder if kind of what you were mentioning about the original trilogy and um, how long it's been a part of people's lives and the the outlook that they have on these. You two are the only two that I've, you know, deep dive discussed opinions mm-hmm. on this movie with. So I don't know. I could be wrong. But I ha- I wonder if where the disjoint is and how we're looking at this is I'm looking at this as the original trilogy for a new generation. Mm-hmm. And I think, Rich, you might be looking at this more as the ending of the the film saga that started as a child for you. And so you're we're looking at it with two different sets of eyes, and neither neither set is right or wrong. It just skews the way that you're looking at it. And if you are looking at it, it nothing. Let's just be real. Nothing will ever touch the original trilogy for me. Mm-hmm. They were amazing movies, and they were made with bubblegum popsticks in a dream and that that created magic and it spawned all of these other films and i respect that and i there are many of the other films that i really like and it's a universe that i love and i will continue to support and be a part of but i don't expect anything that came after those to come close to touching that magic and so i'm looking at it with tempered expectations see i okay here's what i'll give you i realize that i i have a bias I, I try to shed it as much as possible when I go in to watch one of these. I know that's an impossible task because I, you know, I am, like I said, I, I, I haven't read every book from the expanded universe, but if you look at my bookshelf, I've probably got close to a hundred novels there that are just Star Wars. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I kind of fell off after the, um, you know, after Jason Solo became a Sith. Somewhere in that neighborhood, I fell off reading them religiously. Um, but you know, there wasn't a really big reason there other than the fact that maybe a little fatigue. Cause like I said, it really is hundreds of novels. So I probably have close to the first, I have a lot. So I'm pretty invested. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I admit more so than the average person, you know, I've played, you know, Star Wars role-playing games, uh, you know, Edge of Empires not that long ago, actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty invested far more than the average person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I said, I, the prequels, watch them when they're new, do a whole episode on those. But for the most part... Pretty solid. Wasn't unhappy with them. Uh, Clone Wars, the cartoon, thought it was actually pretty fantastic at times. Mm-hmm. You know, I did have the advantage of that was my kids' generation. You know, they were coming up, and that was like you say, their new uh, original trilogy. 
So I kind of got to maybe experience that through their eyes. But here's the one thing I'm going to say to kind of refute your idea. And I mentioned a little while ago, I sit here and debate on is Rogue One my second or third favorite Star Wars movie. It's hard for me to settle on that. But it's not a saga film. It's a Star Wars story. Fair enough. But if we're looking at the movies, it still ranks above at least one of the original trilogy. Yeah. And maybe two. Would you place Rogue One... That's kind of a weird thing because, yes, it does sort of start the Skywalker saga. Would you place it in the Skywalker saga? Uh, no, it's, it. I mean, it wasn't I, released as part of this. It's a Star Wars I, story. I, I know, but I like if you think about it, it kind of is the start of oh, it. Oh, yeah, it literally it, it is the starts start. the moment like, before even though, like, Scar, Scar, Skywalker's name's never mentioned or anything. That is the reason why we have the Skywalker saga. Yeah. To me, it, it, it's a it's a tangential story. I look at it all as one big braided novel anyway. I don't differentiate between is a Skywalker saga. saga is a, it, it's it's all part of one big story. And the Skywalker is maybe one of the bigger segment, but it's still just part of one big story of this universe. So I don't differentiate. I know Empire is definitely number one for me. I debate on if next. Well, is hey, you know what? Rogue Why don't we save that for a okay. very special episode of Star Wars: The Ring? We can do that. My point is, is that Rogue One is somewhere in the top, ahead of at least one of the original trilogy, ahead of the the prequels. So I, I don't, I don't think it's fair to say that that, that bias is preventing me from liking the newer movies because mm-hmm. I did like one of the, the the newer movies, and honestly, Solo's up there, Fairways too. And it's getting crapped on, and it came out after episode eight, which I despised. So even after it hurt me, I, I I went in with fresh eyes and was able to enjoy that movie, and still do. Actually, I, I need to rewatch it just because I thought it was pretty solid. Yeah. So I, I don't. It's I don't, on Netflix, I think. It is. So I do realize I do have bias. There is bias. Absolutely, you can't be that invested in something <laughs> and spend that many hours and not have it. But at the same time, I feel like I've done a pretty good job in trying to give things its fair shake. We were just discussing The Mandalorian, which is very new. And I think that uh, is fantastic. And I, you know, Where would I rank that? How does it compare to the movies? Because it is something a little different since mm-hmm. it's serialized and the others weren't. At the same time, it's amazing. And that's brand spanking new. Uh, you know, so I, I don't I don't know. I, I, I think that uh, I think I am capable of liking uh, things that are new just be, you know, I, I don't think I, I have to give into that. You're right. Yeah. No, I mean, and I, again, I'm not like trying to be like, no, 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 like, right. I do disagree with you so hard about this movie. <laughs> like, there is no words that can express because this movie is not doing that well in the box office. Like, it it's only been out for two days it bombed in china yeah it was like number three or something like that and they were expecting it to be their number one and it's i was even more hopeful up to going into it because you know uh critical reviews had started coming out and while although i tried i didn't read any of them specifically i do know that there were a lot of headlines saying critics were trashing this movie they are and i I have a kind of a joke that and it's not really a joke because it's mostly true that anytime the critics hate movies i usually love it and vice versa audience responses versus critic reviews typically opposite if i see critics being polarized one way or the other, I know that pretty much the opposite is usually true for me. So mm-hmm. I was actually a little surprised when I came out of this movie and when I gave it my honest kind of think through, I'm like, well, shit, I, I can't, you know, I, I kind of, uh, eh. I uh, And like I said with Laura, though, I think they had a lot of cleaning up to do because they did get somebody else in for eight. Mm-hmm. I didn't think eight was as bad as what everybody else, it's not my favorite by far, but... I appreciate it. See, it shouldn't have been part of that. I would I would throw that theory back on people. I think that there are people that are giving this movie far more of a pass simply because it is so much better than episode eight. And episode eight was such a piece of shit and this improved on it so much that they're giving it a pass. Whereas if episode eight hadn't been crap, 
I think more people would realize the, the problems with this movie. Well, we have three very different opinions <laughs> on this movie, yeah. and we'd I love to go, know. I didn't go on a soapbox like you two did, though, because I was like, <laughs> I, I, I could have, but then I was like, I, I can't. I can't. I don't want I didn't want to be that guy who, <laughs> who was like, oh, let's just two against one. Let's beat up Rich. <laughs> uh, no, and that's fine. I, you know, I'm, I mean, come on. We're, we're, I'm just, I was going to cool. be like, you know what? I'm going to pull things from both you guys. Like, cause I knew I had a feeling that you were going to give it a good grade. Cause you and I usually, I'm talking to Laura, by the way. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> He's pointing, pointing at me. I'm pointing you at can't it. see. <laughs> uh, cause you and I usually have. Usually, the there are times you're wrong, but you know, <laughs> that's, whatever. That's, but see, Laura and I also, I think, viewed it from a very different standpoint. We did. Um, you know, if you listen to her review, she's talking a lot about themes. Yeah. Right. And I talked a lot about details. And see that, and that's totally, and I love that, and that's why I love this podcast, because it's a difference in our personality. Right. Even though I'm a very detailed human being in my life, I am looking, I'm looking for themes. Mm. I'm looking to curate life. I'm looking for the deeper meaning in things. And you are looking at things from such a logical, because you're so intelligent, and you're, you're always formulating plans, and you're looking at things from a very detailed point of view that's different than mine. And I love that even though this is a universe that we both love so much we're looking at it from our two different sets of eyes and taking something so different from it and that's great and i will give you that the themes of this movie were vastly improved to the point where i would even call the themes good but they definitely lost me in the detail and i I just think star wars is such a beast it's a behemoth that you got to know that you have to pay attention to those details and there are people who can do that there are literally millions of fans who would have done it for you for free so there is a uh, a quote that is, it, you can find it floating around the internet. It's from Kathleen Kennedy. And this is why I think that girl's got to go. Because this is what she said in response to some of the critics. We don't have the, the novels and the source material to draw from like other franchises did. So we have to find our own way. You and have the, hundreds yeah, of books. <laughs> yeah, well, literally, that's what the meme is. And then somebody like, you know, doing the hand wave thing to all of the books that are in the expanded universe. I'm like, you have more than anybody ever had that you could pull from. You have staples of amazing writers timothy zahn is still i just i just met the guy less than a year ago you know stackpole he would totally do it you wouldn't even have to throw a lot of money at these guys kevin j anderson's still kicking around you know these are some of the guys that wrote wonderful stories and get it very well that could have definitely come in and helped you out and you know what though rich your passion for this is actually the reason why i wanted to start reading the zahn books I've never read any Star Wars books. I've also not. So this is a new beast for me. And so it's like opening new doors. Like this is going from like, yes, I absolutely love Star Wars and it's been a part of my life my whole life. And now I'm going above and beyond. I'll be interested in hearing your take simply because there's going to be one big difference. So when the Thrawn books originally came out uh, back, you know, when I would have read them the first time through, uh, we didn't have anywhere near as much Star Wars. This -hmm. was before we had such a huge universe. We didn't have this expanded universe. We didn't have cartoons. We didn't have extra movies. So this was the first kind of new Star Wars story at the time. And, you know, so people like me who read that first, that has that very special kind of meaning to it. Whereas you're going to be viewing this as somebody who now there's six other movies and all of the, the sort of, there's comic books, there's video cartoons, games, video games yeah. that can all be drawn from. So it's going to be interesting to see how it holds up for you mm-hmm. uh, with all of that. Whereas for us, it was, it was new. From other people that I've spoke to about it, they're, they're saying that it's still... Zahn's just solid. And if you read any of his other work, he did not just write Star Wars. He wrote mm-hmm. many, many other things. And if, if anybody's asking me for an author recommendation, read that dude. He's good. Not only that, solid dude. Yeah. Met him a couple times. 
uh, you know, for those of you, I don't know if I've mentioned, if I mentioned I named my son after a Star Wars character from the yes. novels, I think I've mentioned that before, but that's absolutely where that came from. Gavin Darklighter, the cousin of Biggs Darklighter, who in the stories goes on to eventually become uh, a general and he runs, he's in charge of Rogue Squadron for quite some time, mm-hmm. but I always liked that name. So when I had a son, I wanted to name him Gavin and I did. I uh, used to work with a lady who had a baby who was a little on the chunky side, and uh, that baby's nickname was Porkins, and I always respected that. <laughs> so, that, that did remind me. I'm going to give you one more thing about this movie that neither one of us talked about, but I did enjoy. Um, and for the life of me, I can't remember his name. He was the, the, the admiral that had been around from before. He makes the comment, uh, you know, as I served you in the old empire, I'll serve oh, you. Oh, yeah. uh, it starts with a P. I can't think of it. Yeah, I need, I need to look it up and remember it. Pence, um, maybe? I, I love the fact... No, that's our vice president. Um, <laughs> that's Pence. <laughs> different evil empire. No, I think you're saying because they call him what, like Pride Admiral or something. Maybe. Uh-huh. They had like a weird title for him. Uh, anyway, I love the fact that we finally actually got somebody who at least felt like a real competent commander. Yeah. yeah. You know, so before the, the episode, they, they all seemed like these were like high school children fighting it out on the playground and they're supposed to be these mighty generals. That guy actually felt like it. And, and I, I, I was glad that we finally got somebody back. It's like, wow, he, he, he seems like the badass uh, Imperial commander finally. So I'm glad we got that. That was, yeah. cool. even though, you know, ultimately didn't work out well for him, but. Yeah. Well, we have talked about looking at this through different eyes this whole time. And uh, that leads into my segment of the female factor. As the only biological female here, I look at it through eyes that you guys can never see it through. So um, I cannot promise that I will not cry right now. So prepare yourselves. Um, I'm not even really sure where to begin because there is so much in Star Wars that has shaped me and so many other girls who grew up watching these movies. There are so few places to look for a story that lets a girl feel like she can be a part of that world too. But Star Wars is... That universe and that place in spades, every iteration, every trilogy, every standalone film lets a girl see herself reflected in that universe. And it all began with Princess Leia, with Carrie Fisher, who gave us an unapologetic, independent, intelligent, fierce, fiery, vulnerable, relatable princess who wasn't sitting around in her ivory tower waiting for her Prince Charming, a princess who gave us a real human to root for and to see ourselves in, a princess who became a general who very quietly and unassumingly became the linchpin to the entire Skywalker saga and set an example to filmmakers of what a female character can be. An example that led to Ray, who lets a whole new generation of young girls see that they can be a part of something big. Ray is not from anywhere. She is no one from nowhere and becomes the most powerful Jedi of all time and quite literally saves the universe. And I cannot begin to put into words what it would have meant to me as a kid to see that on the big screen, to be given permission to dream that maybe someday I could be the one to save the universe. But to know that girls today have that available to them, to know that I can show my niece this movie and she will get to dream of saving the universe is a beautiful gift. And it all began with Princess Leia. So thank you, Carrie Fisher, wherever you are for what you gave us. I have a funny anecdote for you. Okay. Uh, And I say funny, it's a little bit tragic, but it's funny looking back on it. 
so I, once again, I'm, I'm the old guy here, right? So I remember very vividly when Return of the Jedi came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. And so just before, you know, it was more so back then than they do it now. There's a lot of buildup. Because there just weren't as many movies then. Right. So they were releasing the clips and scenes. They didn't really do the full-on trailers as much as they do now. But, you know, they were releasing these little bits and scenes to go out to the media. And I remember watching this one uh, newscast because they're like, we have some new footage. And we're going to show you new footage from the upcoming movie. And, of course, we're all very excited to watch this upcoming footage. And what they showed were little clips. And it was from later on in Return of the Jedi when Leia is very much involved in the fighting. It's right. the, It's the scene where she jumps on the speeder the bike speeders, and takes yeah, off. yeah, in the camo poncho. Yeah, they don't show the whole sequence, but they're showing a lot of little clips in there, and you see Leia being far more in the, in the fight and far more, I'm trying to remember what the word that they used. I want to say, they didn't, they didn't say aggressive. It was far more, God, I can't remember, I'm trying to remember the, the exact words that they used. Because what happened as they're showing these, the the, the newscasters and movie reviewers that are up on their on the station are discussing it while while it's going on. And, and that movie came out in 83, correct? Mm. I believe it was 81 and 83. I think you're right. For Empire yeah, and Yeah, because it was Jedi. the same time as Superman 2. Okay. So is, this is in 1983. It's early 80s, so I would imagine yes, a local newscaster is not as evolved. Uh, this was, this would have been local. This was a, a national this newscaster. Was a, this was a, a national Chicago station at the time. Now, none of these people are particularly famous newscasters now, but at the time they were, you know, they're well enough known that they were doing this. Right. And so the very quickly devolves into this debate about Leia being far more, I I know they said she's far more physical and um, active, maybe. It's not active. I need to remember the exact word that they used. Uh, But that's that's the line that they were kind of getting to. And they were essentially debating on whether or not that was a good thing and whether or not they liked it. Uh, Literally the point where I remember one of them saying, yes, they actually put her in pants in this one. And somebody said, why is she wearing pants? Uh, no, these were, this was the discussion yeah. that was happening I'm, at the time. I, okay? I can imagine. Um, that's why I say it's funny now looking back, because at the time, this was the discussion. Yeah. Um, now, what's funny is the whole uh, chainmail bikini thing is such a thing in the culture, right? Right. They didn't show that. That, that didn't come out ahead of the movie. That was that was something that you that you really got to see then. So the debate ahead of time, what they were really showing was Leia being this very involved, very forward, uh, you know, side of action side of Princess Leia, and that it was a debate, it was a discussion at the time. Then of course it comes out, and then you get to see her in the uh, right. chainmail bikini, and suddenly all was well in the the realm of what women should be doing in movies. Well, although. She does go on to kill Jabba herself, and she does go on to... to and she didn't wear that by choice. Jabba right. made her. Uh, fair enough. I'm, I'm, yeah, once again, right. I'm just telling you what I recall the discussion being at the time in, in the culture. And, you know, she did go on to have, to have that far more of a role in the action aspects of the movie. But at the time, the chainmail bikini scenes pretty much made up for it enough that people stopped worrying about Leia. And I look back at that and see how ridiculous that whole situation Uh is. And I I can only laugh at it. That's why I call it funny because, you know, I laugh at it. And then I listen to you uh, very impassionately talk about, you know, where it has has become and what that means for for women. And I think that's fantastic. I really do. Uh, I just, when I look back over the years and see that progression, I can't help but laugh kind of the archaic way that Well, and some people who who don't realize that these movies are 40 years old now mm-hmm. that, you know, think that the original is sexist because Leia is, you know, in A New Hope, Leia's in a dress the whole time and she doesn't have a bra on and George came up with this stupid thing about there's no bras in space and whatever. But they don't understand that that change 
takes time and it's a little bit at a time. And every time, you know, she was on there and she was holding a blaster and she was saving herself and she was thinking for herself and then she was wearing pants and she became a general. Each of those were step chipping away at what was acceptable and what was acceptable and what was acceptable until now it's massively acceptable that a girl saved the universe. And I love Daisy Ridley and her portrayal of Ray. Yeah. Her acting was amazing. And actually, I can say that about a number of the other, of the other people, um, you know, Finn, Boyega, fantastic. Yeah. I love what he did. I think the character is mostly pointless in the whole trilogy. But he does feel a bit token. It, it, it really does at times. Uh, but like as far as what he does with it, I, I think it's pretty fantastic. I really there's some great acting that happens in places there, almost tragically so in my opinion. But you know, so I I don't I don't really give a shit that she's a girl. I really don't. I mean, it's great that she is. I'm not saying she should or shouldn't be. I'm saying that doesn't weigh on my opinion one way or another. I think she did some amazing stuff. I just think that many of the scenes that were written for that character, um, you know. They, they should have went a different direction. Let her use the force. Let her let her be the badass. She should have, I'm sorry, force pulled those damn stormtroopers out of the sky and said, this is no big deal. <laughs> she could have reached out and pulled the pin out of the track on those damn tracked speeders that they had in the sand for some reason and watch those things just come to a halt because they can't go anywhere now because she had those abilities. You know, let, let, her, let her be the badass. I almost felt like they held her back at times. I think they had to hold her back because she was supposed to be as powerful as the emperor. Yeah, but then you can't juxtapose that with scenes where she is being powerful. You know, it's one of those where but I don't think she knew it was in her. Like yeah, whenever she, she whenever she took that ship out of the sky, she like look, was like, "Holy crap, what was that? I've never done that before." You know, but then they made uh, a big point of showing her train with Leia. Like, yeah. did Leia not teach her any of this stuff? She didn't know who the she Jedi's was. The Jedi don't mm-hmm. have Force lightning. That's a Sith thing. Well, the Force lightning, I'll grant you, because that at least they made it look like a surprise. But she did force hold a ship. With, without, without a whole lot of problem, you know, so she knew she could do that. I mean, know? she had to really try at it. But still, the idea of grounding a flying stormtrooper should have been pretty trivial. Yeah. You well, know, hey, you know what, dear listener? We could debate this until the cows come home. And I'm guessing off mic, we probably will. Because <laughs> that's who we are. I do want to end on oh, something, though. Like, are you ending it? Yes. Okay, wait. <laughs> He's ending it. I do want, I cut don't want to do cut a discussion. Mic. I just want to know, favorite droid, Go. Favorite droid of the whole of so- the whole saga. The 3PO. Okay. Yeah, you know, I am going to go ahead and do the old school thing and say R2-D2. Oh, shit. I just said 3PO because <laughs> I was thinking about his red eyes. I meant R2-D2. No, it's not 3PO. No it's R2-D2. No backseas. Okay. I was deal thinking about the red eye moment. Deal with your screw up, Ryan Johnson. Uh, I'm going uh, BB-8. He is my favorite it, droid. BB-8 is my second. It's R2, mm-hmm. then BB-8, then 3PO. I, I give BB-8 a whole lot of leeway just simply because he's a Beastie Boys reference. <laughs> L three might be. L three was pretty cool. L three was. I like a lot of the droids. I mean, if I were going to be really like super hipster about it, I would say like the R five droid from the you know episode uh, four. Yeah. That that has the bad motivator Mm -hmm. because those were actually meant to be uh, garage bots. That's what they were designed for. Whereas R two was actually meant to be more of a you know full on asteroid in space. Those are meant to be used like in a garage on speeders. And I always thought that was a cool concept that you kind of have the the cheaper versions that don't do all the cool stuff because that's would happen in a real economy. I don't know. I, I just wanted to know that I didn't, I was like, so who's, 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 who's favorite? Droids? We all love the droids. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to give you one more. Uh, and I'm giving, this is a gift for you. He's I'm, pointing to me guys. That is to Lulu. I'm going to wrap myself out. 
Oh, oh dear God. Okay, I'm ready. I, I'm going to wrap myself out because I did go on a big, long, like nerd rage rant at you the did. beginning of this episode. You did. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to do it because I know my wife's going to do it for me if I don't. I teared up with the Han Solo dad scene. Oh, did yeah. you? That was dope. And yeah. when he said, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But actually, the part that really got me when he said, when uh, he goes, you're just a memory. He says, but I'm your memory. That that was that was the one where I'm like, I'm I'm good I'm good oh God damn it all right all right okay okay um, so I'll give you that because there were definitely a lot of high points in the, in the movie for me I just I just can't overlook the rest but I'm I'm gonna give you that one because I think you deserve it all right yeah well thanks everybody and may the force be with you <laughs> Nick, like, did you just do the Vulcan thing? <laughs> he did. He did a Vulcan did salute. Oh, jeez. <laughs>